Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Hey, everyone. If you like this podcast, go behind the paywall to get privileged access to the smartest minds in finance. Join the Real Vision community and learn how to become a better investor. Visit realvision.com slash rvpod and use the promo code podcast10, that's podcast10, to get 10% off our essential membership for the first year. Now, to the top analysis of today's crypto markets. What's going on, guys? I'm Sergio Silva. Welcome to Real Vision. Uh, The Crypto Gathering, which is our special week-long campaign here, where we ask this big question, is the game on in crypto? And if so, how do you position for it? Are we about to enter the next bull run? So yesterday, we tried to answer that question through technical analysis. Um, Ash spoke with Will Clemente, Kyle Droops, and Rec Capital. They're all very bullish right now. Rex said he thinks we've definitely hit the bottom already. He thinks we're in the early stages of a bull market with a new all-time high for Bitcoin expected after next year's halving. Kyle and Will will also say the trend is highly favorable. And now on to today's show. This is very, very exciting. Um, as we look to answer once again the question of is it game on through the lens of NFTs, Web3, and crypto broadly. Joining me today are two NFT legends and good friends. Um, OSF, Obi Farouk, artist, creator of Rec Guys, uh, investor, and just overall good guy. And Mando, who is probably his better half, I would say. Um, also one of the creators of Rec Guys, Canary Labs, uh, legendary NFT investor, and also really good guy. Guys, welcome to the show. Hey, man. Thanks for, thanks for having us. Uh, yeah, that was that was that was a lot of flowers. Thank you. Yeah, you made you made Mando sound like the better guy, but at least we're both good guys. <laughs> you know, I obviously messed up the intro there a little bit before the clip, and I was making sure that I wasn't missing anything. Um, but it's uh, it's a lot easier to talk about people that you know. And uh, yeah, I saw you guys last in Austin uh, for consensus. We celebrated my birthday together, and uh, you know, we spoke about crypto back then. It's been what three months since. Obviously, things have been moving to say the least, both in you know spot prices and in crypto tokens, but also in NFTs. So why don't we jump right into it? Um, let's start with the big question. You guys legendary for diamond handing a lot of apes through one of the biggest bull markets in the history of humanity. And then waking up one day or before going to bed and deciding to to take your profits and cash out of that trade. Um, what were the conditions that led you guys to make that decision? And you know, I would love to kind of like give the audience a little bit more context as to what the trade really was, what the you know kind of theory going into it, and then why and when you guys cashed out. God, yeah, that's, that's quite a trade. So like it, it all started. Um really with Ovi, he minted um, 
Uh, and we're talking about Bored Apes here, which is one of the, mo the most well-known collections in the NFT space. Uh, Ovi ended up minting 150 of them, I think, um, at Origin, and really saw them as a trade, I think, at the start, right? You, you just held them for a flip um, and kind of was out of them all within a month, apart from a few. Um, and, and that was a decent, what, three to five X trade. Um, and this was around the time that, uh, it's a very nascent time for NFTs, particularly the idea of utility, uh, being attached to NFTs before that they were, they were mainly just art or there were some light gaming NFTs with things like CryptoKitties and Axie Infinity. But the idea of clubs and profile picture clubs was, was kind of new. Um, and we, we originally got into NFTs by art investing. We were mainly investing in, in one of ones on super rare and we kind of, um, we felt like that was a, a trend. And then we, we just saw this trend starting up with clubs. CryptoPunks have obviously been around before that. And they they were art, but also a club. Uh, I think Bordhaves were mainly a club. Um, the art was cool to a certain extent, but it was mainly about just being part of a club. Um, and we just, we we then, I got back into that trade and we ended up um, in, in, in a decent amount, about 70, 75 of them. Um, and originally it was just a trade because I felt as though it would be a three X. I think they were trading around three, eight, three, three when they were, and I was like, well, at the time, a lot of NFTs, which now is the norm is they build out IP with things like airdrops. And the idea is that you have like a Pokemon or a Disney star model where the original NFT is your original Pikachu or your original Mickey. And they start building out the IP with airdrops to the original holders. And I just felt like that model could, um, could spiral and I held them going into one of those drops. So at the time it was mutant apes and I felt like it was going to be a, a decent, a decent run. And then by the time we ended up, um, me and Ovi decided to kind of go in together. We decided that we kind of felt like that was going to be a longer term trend. So we held on to them for a while. Um, and if I'm honest, the big, tr we, we were happy to keep on holding them. They, they'd already paid us out a decent amount because they did the coin in 2020, uh, 2022, eight coin, which is, is now trading and we monetized that almost straight away and we were like well if you monetize the coin we can hold on to the the apes but also the big change that happened at the start of this year was just liquidity liquidity in the nft space went parabolic um it didn't and and you'll see kind of what the effects of that were with time but um earlier this year and at the back of the last year there, there seemed to be a bit of a marketplace war happen between various different um, platforms and a new one emerged, which is Blur. And they started incentivizing um, liquidity in the space, it, mainly people to bid on NFT projects. Um, and suddenly what had been quite an illiquid market became a very, very liquid one, particularly for whales. So people with large positions in many different collections, um, just because people were being incentivized to bid on those collections, particularly the, like, the most traded collection like collections and things like punks, wood apes, um, and various others. And at that time, we just we our, our background was in in distressed debt and, and high yields, kind of similar to you. And it felt as though one way to look at markets is that when when those sort of illiquid markets suddenly become very liquid, the the upside potential becomes limited or less uh, gappy, let's say. And we just felt as though if we were going to stay in something liquid, we might as well keep it in ETH um, rather than in NFTs. So we moved our 
basically our whole portfolio into ETH because we felt like that was really the bet. And we were also very bullish on ETH. ETH at this time was trading at, at kind of 1200, 1300. And it felt like a decent time to get a, to get a quite a big ETH bag. So that's why we ended up monetizing it. Um, and we did, we did monetize every profile picture collection we had because we did feel like that could be a medium term trend that things were getting too, too liquid to have upside. So we, we had Azuki's, we had Cool Cats, we had a few other things people in the NFT space would know. Um, and then, yeah, the NFT space, it went, it, it, it stayed pretty healthy for a little bit, maybe a few weeks after, after the blur started incentivizing some of this liquidity. But then over the course of the last few months, it's really, um, it's really decreased in, 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 um, in ETH price. In dollar terms, it's not as horrific because obviously ETH has had a big run up, but um, it, has, it has been, a, 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 I don't know, not a great period, I would say, for the NFT space. Actually, you just gave me the framework for every question that I wanted to ask. And part of this conversation, you know, as we see kind of like Web3 going forward and as a trading market, potential investment, uh, how it correlates to, to spot, you know, crypto prices and the macro and the like. By the way, uh, to the audience, you guys can ask any questions you want. Please put them in the chat. Um, we'll ask the best ones on air. Remember, Real Vision members take priority. If you're not a Real, a Real Vision member yet, go to uh, realvision.com slash crypto. Um, but yeah, the team will take those questions and send them over, and then we'll ask them to uh, Ovi and Mando and myself um, as we go through through the conversation. But going back to you, what you said there at the beginning, right? You guys saw kind of like the utility NFTs as this next pillar besides art. And you decided to make a play um, alongside, right? You already had an art play and then saw the PFP utility NFT play club membership, which really was kind of like what people thought of NFTs early on, right? Like ticketing and things that you can unlock, maybe like loyalty programs. We've seen that with, with big corporates. Um, and, and that played out for you. Going forward from today on, like, do you guys still think, you know, you mentioned the market has a lot of liquidity now, or at least more liquidity avenues. Uh, obviously, it fluctuates a lot, but there's a lot more easy ways to provide liquidity to the market. Um, and that, to you, took away the, the upside, especially vis-a-vis you know, ETH and some other things. Um, however, you know, NFTs are a bit more well-known. I wouldn't call them mainstream, but more companies are coming to the space. You know, We just saw 7-Eleven this morning announcing like NFT Slurpees. How do you guys kind of like match up the concept of Web3 adoption and then the potential for financial returns. What's the model that you guys are thinking going forward from today um, into like the short and medium term? I think that's a good question. I think it's something that often gets conflated by people who own NFTs because it's like, hey, um, Starbucks have an NFT and um, 7-Eleven have an NFT or you have, uh, you know, um, Dolce & Gabbana doing NFT, et cetera, like, like LVMH, et cetera. And you see all these big names enter this, the Web3 space and everyone's like, oh, great. That means like the NFTs that I own in my portfolio, that means they must go up because we're seeing all these big players. And I think the problem is like those two things get conflated. Like when you do get big brands, big names, big adoption and ma eventually mass adoption of the space, um, what that is good for and the most bullish thing for is the infrastructure on, on, on which that's built on not necessarily the existing roads that are, or the existing cars on the, on the roads, if that makes sense. So, um, you know, in, in a situation like that, it's like, it's great for ETH. It's great for other 
um, hugely adopted uh, networks and, and chains or whatever you want to call them because the usage of those going up and you're getting bigger players starting to use that technology. And I think it's great for those technologies. Um, what does that mean for like existing NFTs? It's a, it's a real tough one, you know, and you, and you have to then have to start asking the questions as to why you own what you do and what your thesis is. And do you own an NFT because you think, hey, this has big cultural and historical significance as a piece of art, just like how you might buy any piece of art. Um, yeah, that like that that is bullish for that because it, you'll get more eyes on it. But um, do you own your NFT because, hey, I bought this profile picture and really I've just funded like a, a Web3 startup who's going out there to try and build a brand or build a game or build something else. Um, you know, it's not going to have much impact on that. So I think, um, you know, as you see these, these big players enter the Web3 space, into the NFT space, I think it's great for the technology, which I think in turn is like definitively bullish, bullish for Ethereum. But for the existing NFTs out there, it's, it's a more of a mixed question, I think. And look, the NFT market is huge. You can, an NFT can be something that you use in a game. It can be a piece of art. It can be a profile picture. It can be, um, you know, just your... Um, uh, and anything really, like it can, it can, it, can, it, it spans lots, lots of different things. So I think you have to pick and choose which parts of the market we're referring to and talking about when we're trying to understand um, the value drivers. I think. Hey everyone, we're going to take a quick pause and hear a word from our partners. We'll be right back. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. That's a very, very interesting answer because probably a lot of the NFT guys watching this are like, damn it, <laughs> these are very smart guys. And I think, you know what? I think deep inside, a lot of people will agree. Uh, I think you're being honest with yourself. You kind of like seen it play out where, you know, mass adoption might not mean, you know, financial returns for my bags. Um, and, and, you know, it's funny hearing you say, well, you know, mass adoption might not be good for, for your NFT IP. However, it's a trade that worked great for you guys. Right. And so, um, what do you think it's the difference between 2021 and, you know, maybe minting or, or buying apes, a three ether and 2023, and maybe, you know, minting or buying kind of like up and coming NFT collections. Um, what, what is the main, I guess, differentiator between your trade and, and somebody coming into the space today? Yeah, look, I think, um, with the utility-based NFTs, you can often get these sort of parabolic moves because if that utility um, kicks or like it really hits home and people pick up on it, uh, they can move very, very quickly. And you'll see that with gaming NFTs as they as 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 the gaming infrastructure of Web3 grows. Like some of these utility-based NFTs will just go parabolic, particularly if you see big games start coming into the space. Um, I think being early to a to a movement of clubs just meant that you didn't really know how this was going to play out. Yuga Labs is now going down the route of gaming. So arguably you could still have those sort of, you know, large exponential run-ups in some of their assets just because the games become mainstream, but you know, there's a long route to that. Um, so I think it, it is slightly different um, than it was in 2021 because a lot of these stories have played out. 
And it feels as though that I, that idea of building IP via progressively airdropping assets is only going to be um, available to, to a very, 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 very small group of collections that already have that perceived value, uh, perceived value about them. Um, I think there's probably only one or two where you could argue that uh, airdrops or companion collections will ever really extend the IP. Um, Yuga is potentially one of them, and maybe like Azuki would be another one, but it's a dangerous game going down that route because obviously you get these sort of consonomics, um, which people don't tend to particularly like, and you need to have a real concept of how the new assets are, are, are pushing forward the IP. So I think what we've seen is a lot of that model has, has collapsed in on itself. Um, and we, we, we never really played that strongly into that as the model, if I'm honest. We also kind of felt as though by being one of those original collections that this would have a historical importance. Um, in the same way that when most people NFT, mention NFTs in real life, you're like, oh, those, those monkey JPEGs. It comes up like we felt like they would be culturally relevant for a while. Um, so that's why we only really had a majority of our portfolio in that, even though that was the route the IP went. I think now going forward, the, the healthiest bit of the market is the market where there is some level of, of cultural or historical significance. Um, you're seeing that come back with things like CryptoPunks, generative art. Um, and with I do think that some of these profile pictures will come back as you know culturally significant. Um, in the same way that you know Pokemon went through its ups and downs, even as its own IP, and kind of came back, that's kind of how I can see some of these happening as well. Like it doesn't necessarily need it to hit at all times. As long as they stay culturally relevant in the space for a while, I think they will, um, they, they will come back. So I think some of those, uh, those original IPs will, will come back. Um, but I do think it's becoming increasingly difficult for a new project, new entrepreneur to come into the space with an idea about IP and think about how to monetize it. There's two reasons mainly why. Number one, trading fees has gone down exponentially across, across the board. Um, it's very, very different. And that was one of the main, it was one of the main innovations of the space, if I'm honest. Like, um, and Brilliant. there, there yeah. are various reasons for that. But um, some, some of the ways that the NFTs are traded now means you can basically bypass, bypass some of the, the revenue of, of it. So the idea of someone coming into this, into this space perhaps doesn't have the revenue stream that they, they used to think they had. And the second one is, if I'm honest, the, the regulations, security regulations around this sort of stuff, it's very difficult to accrue the value of that IP back to the holder of the NFT. Where does an NFT sit in a capital structure? <laughs> like, does it, should it sit in a capital structure? Uh, is there any ownership of anything? I think that's something that people have questioned a, a few times with some of these. Um, and I think when it, we were back in 2021, the idea of how that value could be returned to holders was pretty nascent. We were still trying to work out how that could be done. Some of the collections obviously went down routes like coins as a way to do it and DAOs. And that has had limited success. It still feels like that is it's an elusive situation. So the idea that um, the, the, the value of the IP can be returned to NFT holders is still, is still a little bit unknown. In the same way that it's still difficult with DAOs to work out how money from DAOs will be exactly returned to DAO holders, NFTs as well, like, Without clear regulation around some of this stuff or what people can and can't do around them, I think it's a little bit difficult to work out how the value accrues. But that could change. And in time, and some of these, some of these NFT IPs could be able to, to, to latch on the back of that. So for now, it feels like the safest place is still in, in historical 
or culturally significant artifacts on the internet, essentially, or in the crypto space. Okay, but you guys are super bullish Ether. You're super bullish Web3. Your way of expressing it going forward will mostly, I mean, you already did it, uh, you mentioned at the beginning of the show, and also people at Track Your Wallet can see that, you know, you guys pretty much went on, on ETH. I know, Ovi, you bought a few cultural significant NFTs, um, and, and you've been uh, kind of accumulating some of those, but really the majority of your bags are now in, in Ether. Um, are there any other crypto tokens, like fungible tokens, uh, that you guys are bullish on or excited about or starting to look at now that you've you know decided to express your bullishness on this technology via fungibles instead of non-fungibles? <laughs> the short answer is yes. Um, I think um, you can be bullish on a few different things here. You can be bullish on technologies. So you look for things like a, like Ether, um, things like other forms of technology which improve systems, improve efficiency, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Um, the other thing you can be bullish on is just bullish on culture or community or these low IQ players, as people call them, like, you know, the, the GameStop. What's going to be the next GameStop of, of 2023 or 2024? Like, what's going to be the next, like, board apes of, of something? And that doesn't have to be an NFT format. It doesn't necessarily have to be in non-fungible format. It could be a sort whatever it is. But, like, oh, I'm always, we're always looking for, like, that, that trade, which is, like, you know, it doesn't really... It can't really be explained by like these are the five reasons why this has value and where where the value derives from and this is, these are the five problems that it solves. But it's something that people can get behind um, and get you know and, and get big and just something that captures this idea of like community, virality, culture, that kind of stuff. And um, to that to that note, like what you know, we we own a lot of ETH from the apes that we sold. Something that we bought a lot of recently was this Pepe coin, which is the you know that it was a, the fastest coin to a billion dollar market cap and it's sold off again but you know that's something which i think ticks a few boxes something that has a lot of volume every day something that a lot of people can get around and get involved something that people who try to explain valuations hate and cannot cannot explain which i think is a is always a bullish thing like you saw the same thing with gamestop you saw the same thing with dogecoin um and it's something that i think has displayed a lot of correlation to eth and in a higher beta way consistently now for three months with you know 100 million uh dollars of, of volumes every, every day so like those are the kind of like that's an interesting trade i think and that's something that we own of own and the rest most of it isn't is an eth obviously but i think those are the kind of trades we're looking at like i'm not really like trying to think oh hey here's this new technology which is game changing it's more like what what thing whether it's an nft whether it's a fungible token whether it's a stock whatever it is what thing is something that a large amount of people can connect with and own very easily without having to overthink it and not, not technology that's difficult to explain and that you can just get like a mass amount of people getting involved in it very quickly that's a thing i think that's the kind of thing that i think outperforms if you do have a real crypto bull run and if you do have a real crypto bull run it does mean altcoins start to outperform bitcoin right right now bitcoin dominance is um 51 so it's the highest it's been in over 12 months um, and if you look at the bull market of 2021, Bitcoin dominance was close to something like 40% or maybe even lower at points in time. So that moonshot, that big thing we're trying to play for, for if you do have this bull run, I'm not saying put all your money in these crazy altcoins because it never to be 99% goes to zero. But I think, you know, having you know, the ETH trades worked pretty well since June last year, over the last 12 months, it's more than doubled. And as you get to this next stage, I guess 
what we're both looking at is like, how do we put allocate smaller amounts of our portfolio to these things that can actually do a 10x or 100x or 1000x? And, you know, maybe only one or two of them get there. But um, it's, it's feeling like now it's time to me to have some exposure to it. And I want to really reiterate, like, it's just some or, or small exposure. It's not, it's not, you know, load the boat on that stuff, because inevitably, you know, a lot of it will go to zero. I, we're dialing up risk. We have been. For the last month or two, we sat down and we were like, look, we actually think we're kind of going to come out of this. Um, it, it feels much quieter, but you're starting to see rallies and you're starting to see a lot of the value of crypto, is, whether it's via what, what you saw with the with regional banks or what you're seeing with, um, we're still issues pro- with, with provenance in many, many different collectibles markets. We, we, we think this is going to be valuable. Um, and particularly you're starting to see the start of some of those narratives. And I just feel as though on that classic bull run chart, this, this, we're kind of getting into the, the denial phase. So we want to make sure that we have some plays, which could be a 10 X if, if that happens. Um, so I, I, to, to be, you might want to not want to hear this if people know us from the NFT market, but when we did the scout out across of the things that we think could do a 10 X from here, it was it was more difficult to find some plays in the NFT market. Some of some of the best bets are pretty highly priced assets already. You know, like things like Fidenzas or Autoglyphs or Punks. To see them do a 10x is a little bit difficult. Um, so, although we do think they could rise in, in ETH price. So this is that was one that just ticked the box. Um, but I, I think there's still there's still massive bull cases for the NFT market. I think it's just that some of the um, some of the use cases I think. The things that I think will drive the next bull run in NFTs is gaming and it's and it's real world assets. It's it's the it's the tokenization of provenance um, in kind of where DeFi meets NFTs, where you can where you get a, a, a you know a, a loan on a watch like a Rolex or something like that, or you can get you could I don't know fund various different um, collectibles lending, or you could. Um, even do provenance in things like the wine market or the or the in real life art market. Like this is stuff that drives the technology, but doesn't necessarily mean pumped up digital IP valuations. Um, and then gaming, I think we could have some hits in in the gaming space over the next two years. I don't know if it's like this year, but it just feels like we could have something. So that's where I think that you can real. And if if a game starts, you know, picking up in the NFT space, we'll be the first ones to pick up on it. Like we're there, we'll know which games are starting to, to under hit. Like there'll be assets to buy, and I think that there'll be some parabolic runs, no doubt in that. But for now, it feels as though you're going really for kind of historical NFTs, ETH, and maybe some of these some of these meme style coins, or which there's only really one that we're interested in, which is Pepe. I like that you guys are, you know, kind of seeing the green shoots, positioning accordingly. Um, I guess my question now is you know what's what will stop you and say make you think that you're wrong on your conviction longs on on not just crypto but like you know nfts risk obviously you know the world out there seems pretty good still but there's some charts and some stats that really make you stop and wonder you know credit card not only the rates are the highest but debt levels are very very high in the u.s it's a consumer-driven economy. Seventy percent of GDP comes from that. Like, would, could there be a 
you know, is this kind of like less inflation that we're seeing more uh, indicative of lower consumer demand, which obviously does not hold well for earnings and the like. How does your macro, uh, you know, framework play into your crypto view, especially given your your professional background? And, uh, you know, what will be the red flags that will make you stop and say, okay, maybe we're wrong. Maybe, you know, maybe we had the run, you know, Ether was $800 in June of last year. It's now like close to 1900. Like that's, a, that's a solid return in a year, especially a bad year as people were expecting. I think, I think, um, I think there's a few reasons why I'm bullish. And if those, any of those reasons get invalidated, that would change my view. So one of them is for crypto specifically is this idea of ETF approvals for BlackRock and Fidelity. And, you know, I'm of the belief that these guys haven't applied without demand and haven't applied without having some uh, clarity as to whether there'd be a successful application or not. So, you know, if that gets rejected or if they say but they're, we're withdrawing application or we're pulling out of this, that would be a big negative for me because I think having the largest, two of the three largest asset managers in the world entering this market is insanely bullish for this uh, medium to long-term and short-term when it gets approved. Um, so if that's something changed with regard to that, that would be a red flag for me. Um, Second thing, which I think is more of a risk that has been on my mind recently is, look, we came into this year, we, we've been, I've been pretty bullish everything since the beginning of this year, because my view was that the US would enter a recession, the Fed would then have to be forced to um, start cutting rates, and then you would have the same story again. And when we had the regional banking crisis later, um, earlier in the year, that was even more of a narrative for the Fed to actually not have the license to be able to keep raising rates. Um, what we've actually seen in the last two or three months is an extremely strong labor market um, and the banking sector kind of being okay, although you know, I'm, I'm sure it's still, there's still some fragility there. And the Fed just continuing to reiterate that they're not going to cut rates this year, that we will have higher rates for longer. And that's something that I think is a little bit concerning because yes, we've seen inflation drop from 9.8% all the way down to 3% as of today, but it's the next six months as the comps get more difficult, um, as the labor market stays very strong, the US economy is still very strong. It's the next six to 12 months, geopolitical tensions you know, affecting energy prices. It's really the next six to 12 months that are very important. And um, you know, if, if you can stay at 3% or below, that's fantastic. But if you start to see that number rise again, I think the Fed, personally, I think the Fed will not hesitate to act and raise rates. And that's something that I feel different about than I did earlier in this year, because I thought we would actually be heading more towards a recession, but the data doesn't seem to be showing that. So I think that the risk for me is like, you know, inflation starts to come back, the US labor market stays very strong, the economy stays very strong, and the Fed's like, you know what, we're going to keep raising rates because we can, because we're not going to, you know, they're not really caring that much about stocks, they don't want to ruin the economy. So they, I just feel like they have more of a license to do that. And we know that crypto reacts negatively to that because we've seen that. We know tech, the impact on tech stocks, and we know the correlation of crypto to tech stocks. And for me, that would be the, that's, I think, a real concern. That's, that is a concern for me, and it's something I'm keeping an eye on. Thanks. Now, that's, I think, super important for people to keep in mind, you know, how all the transmission mechanisms play out through the, through the economy um, and NFTs and crypto being such a big part of, of our digital economy. Now, I know we're almost at time here, guys, so I want to do a, just a quick fire uh, round of audience questions. Uh, if you want to just answer real quickly so we can get through most of them. Charlie from the Real Vision website, uh, what are your thoughts on Looks Rare, the NFT marketplace? Um, I would say that, well, in terms of actually the token or the marketplace itself, like it, it, I, I, I'll answer both. But like the, um, 
I would say that it's an incredibly competitive uh, industry trying to run a, uh, a crypto NFT marketplace. At the moment, Blur is completely dominating in terms of volumes. Um, that being said, Blur um, has no trading fees, has no trading fees, has no revenue model at the moment, um, literally makes no money. So part of the reason they've managed to, to gain market share is because they um, basically have no fees. That's not a long-term <laughs> uh, business plan. Uh, business plan. So maybe they have to change that. And Luxray in the past, because it's uh, you know it has a token that, um, which has helped support it as well, has has traditionally done was doing okay before Blur came in. So maybe you, you could start to see volumes return to Luxray. Um, anecdotally, in the NFT space, I would say that most people consider Luxray a um, it's a well-run platform. It's run by some of the kind of OGs of the space that people like look up to, and they're, they're quite quick on rolling out technology, which people tend to like. But I would say that a lot of people got kind of burnt buying into the, the token um, quite early. Um, and I think there's a little bit, it's still of a bad taste about, about that platform just because of um, how the tokenomics kind of ran out over the last few months. So I would say it has some good sentiment in the NFT space, but like, I wouldn't say the majority of traders are using Luxray. Thank you. I got a combination of questions between Bijan and Mass, both from the Real Vision, um, actually Richard from the Real Vision website. Um, can you walk us through the framework you use to identify home runs in NFT projects um, or what are the characteristics of things you will look for to identify projects that will survive if, you know, we kind of all agree 99% of NFTs will not be worth much um, at some point in time? I think the most important thing to assess there at this point in time where we are in the market right now is what where does the value of that NFT derive from? Does the value of the NFT derive from a company's ability to execute a roadmap which requires funding, which requires a strong market, um, which requires you know, an expectation of airdrops or all these other things? That I think is a concern. Like That worked very well in 2021 in a bull market. That does not work as well now because what happens is these companies have costs and overheads to pay they require funding, and how do how do they get around that in the in this day and age? Well, they can either try to go out there and raise capital. If they raise capital, they have to appease and 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 drive value to their investors, and they have to put that higher than their NFT holders. So you're at a disadvantage there. Uh, the second option is just to sell more NFTs, and if you sell more NFTs, then you you have more supply and you're being diluted. So any NFT where the value is coming from a team making promises and telling you we're going to deliver this crazy roadmap and build this thing, et cetera, et cetera. I'm very, very skeptical of those. And that's not to say some of them won't work, but it's very hard to find things that will work in, in those situations. Um, things that I think will survive and will do well are NFTs that, where the value doesn't actually derive from that. And it goes back to like the original NFT collecting of 2017 and 2018 and 2019. It's just like art that people want to collect for certain reasons, the same reasons why you might want to own some baseball cards or Pokemon cards or any other collectible for that matter. And it's easy to identify them. It's easy to, to understand um, you know, something that maybe have, has cultural significance or historical significance. And often those things can be things like CryptoPunks or um, I don't know, like Autoglyphs, which are like you know, very, very expensive parts of the market. But you also have things like generative art and art blocks, which has you know, the whole range of spectrum of prices for all the way for up to you know, 
8 ETH Fidenza all the way down to like 0 0.5 ETH, um, I don't know, uh, Meridians or, some, or something like that. So um, I think it's important to understand my, my, my personal views. If you want to own something that will stand the test of time, buy it for its collectability and for the fact that its value derives from the fact that people want to collect it and own it for reasons such like such as I want to brag about owning this or I want to show off that I own this crazy thing rather than uh, a team's ability to go out there and deliver a, a roadmap. And it's important to, I think, make that distinction. Love that. And, you know, I hope Punks do have another 50X like they did in 2021. Um, well, guys, thank you so much for being here today. It was a very riveting conversation. OSF, Mando, uh, you know, the space loves you. I love you. Uh, you know, go wreck, guys. I hope to see you soon on the States. If not, I guess, next Ape Fest. I'm sure you guys will always be welcome. <laughs> um, that's it for now, everybody. There's a lot more to come in Real Visions. Crypto Gathering, go to realvision.com slash crypto gathering for all the sessions. The conversation will actually continue with a different panel on Twitter Spaces at 1 p.m. And don't forget, tomorrow we got a panel of hedge fund managers. We got Jeff Dorman, Chris Sullivan, and Richard Galvin, who will be chatting with Ash. Um, you don't want to miss that. So I guess see you 9 a.m. Pacific or noon Eastern for that panel. And thank you so much for watching today. I'm Sergito, Sergio Silva. Um, and yeah, thank you so much. Don't forget to seize your meeps. What's up, revolutionaries? Thanks for tuning in. For more content like this, head over to realvision.com and get unfiltered access to the very best, brightest, and biggest names in finance.